coming to you from the Deep South. This is the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast. High impact leadership is not reserved for leaders, and it has nothing to do with your position, title, or rank. However, it does have everything to do with your character. It's time to climb to the next level and beyond, personally and professionally. Now, let's start making it happen with your host, Max Story. Welcome to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast today. Hope 2019 has been a great year for you. And uh, I want to let you know I appreciate you listening to these podcasts. Uh, I started this series in July, or the podcast. started recording these podcasts in uh, July of 2018. And I've had nearly 45,000 plays. And uh, my podcasts are listening listened to in all 50 states, D.C., and the last time I checked, uh, maybe about 130 or 140 countries around the world, people have listened to these podcasts. So thank you if you're listening, and uh, if you're getting value out of it, be sure to tell other people about it. And I know I've learned that a, a lot of people would nod their head when I ask them if they know about podcasts. They'll say they'll nod their ha- head or say yes, but they, they really don't know, so if you're listening to this and you value what I'm talking about, you want to help me spread this message. I call it our message. This blue collar leadership brand is our brand and uh, nothing like it out there for us. So take some ownership of this brand, make it, make it yours and tell people about it and, and help me help others. But don't just ask them if they know what a podcast is. If they say yes and they're interested, get them to pull out your smartphone, help them get set up, and show them how simple it is. A lot of people don't know, especially if you're a leader in your organization. These things are free. Tell everybody on your team. Put out an email. Give them directions. Show them, share the links with them. And not only to my podcast, but any podcast you listen to. Help introduce those people on your team. And it doesn't matter if you're the leader. But if you are the leader, definitely make sure everyone in your organization knows about podcasts and how to access them. That way they can start learning on their own. And... uh in, in this content and any other content. But if you're not the leader, maybe you're the frontline entry-level person in the workforce, be a leader. Tell your coworkers about it. Tell your leaders about it. Tell tell your family members about it. That's what leadership is about, influencing others to climb to the next level and beyond. So it's been a great year for us, and uh, we've traveled all, all over this country, and uh, it's been really cool. Met some really great people. And you're very likely one of them or one of those who someone has shared the podcast about. So thank you for that. I want to share with you today a quote, and I'll talk about the quote and add some supporting stuff to it. But I want to share with you a quote from John Maxwell. And basically, it goes like this. He says, "As as a potential leader, you are either an asset or a liability to the organization. When there's a problem, a fire in the organization, you as a leader are often the first to arrive at the scene. You have in your hands two buckets. One contains water and the other contains gasoline. The spark before you will either become a greater problem because you pour the gasoline on it or it will be extinguished because you you use the bucket of water. The question the leader needs to ask is, Am I training them 
to use the gasoline or the water. So that everything I just shared right there, that was that quote from John Maxwell. So I want to talk to you about it and break it down and talk about different components of it and a couple of different viewpoints. But it's a big deal. You know, when you show up to a problem, and right now I'm just speaking in general, and it doesn't matter if it's at home or it's at work. Like always, this stuff applies everywhere. But when you show up to a problem or a problem shows up in front of you, what are you doing? Are you dumping gasoline on the fire or are you dumping water on the fire? You know, this is one of those things that's kind of common sense. But a high-impact person and definitely a high-impact leader of people is always dumping that bucket of water on the problem. I remember when I used to lead process improvement teams and I remember one lean consultant they'd be having a lot of problems when they were really trying to learn how to do what I was teaching them to do on their own. A lot of times I'd go take a walk and on purpose so that they would have to do what I was trying to teach them to do. Because when I was always in the room, people would look to me and ask me questions and expect me to, to, to lead because that's what they had seen for a long time. But when I started letting them take ownership, the only way I could get them to take ownership a lot of time was to leave. So I remember one consultant she, uh, or a coordinator, a lean coordinator. She wasn't a consultant. She was a lean coordinator. I remember one time she told me when I come back in, she said, Mac, whenever you come back, it's like calm comes over the ocean. And it's not because I'm special. But when I walk into all these problems that they perceived as problems and, and were, were dumping gas on these problems, I walk in and start dumping water on the problem. And I try to do that in every area of my life. But when I was leading all those lean teams, process improvement events, that was my, that was my job. I was the leader. I couldn't walk around and pour. I mean, it, for me to be telling you this, that, that leaders walk around and dump gas on the fire, that, it makes zero sense to me. I cannot comprehend it. But I see it. I've lived in it. There's so many leaders that when they're presented with a problem, first thing they do is pour some gas on it. They start transferring blame. They start pointing fingers. That's, that's gas. That's not water. If they want to pour some water on it, they can start taking responsibility. That's just one simple aspect of it. But let's look at the first, the first sentence in John's quote. He says, as a potential leader... You are either an asset or a liability to the organization. And he's saying potential leader. And the reason he's saying potential is because if you dump gas on the fire, you're not being a leader, not a high impact leader like we talk about. You're really being a manager of people. That's a, that's a management tactic. But a, a manager of people is, is a liability to an organization. And, and most organizations are, are full of them. But a, a high-impact leader is an asset to an organization. And I know you may have heard me say this. Warren Bennis actually said it, and I captured that quote, and I say it quite often, try to give him credit when I remember to. But Warren Bennis said, failing or struggling organizations are always overmanaged and underled. And this is what he's talking about. Most organizations, 
They're full of problems. Every organization is full of problems. But most organizations have a group of people and leaders who are constantly dumping gas on the fire. And that's what happens when there's no leadership development from top to bottom in an organization where people are taught about character and integrity and then leaders learn the same thing and then begin to model it so that the, their team and their peers can align behind these unifying leadership principles. That's the only way you're going to make it happen. Just letting everybody do what they want to do. Well, most people want to dump some fire, dump, dump some gas on the fire. That's what most people want to do. Not all people. There's some really high-impact people out there. They're carrying around two buckets of water. They don't set the bucket of gas down and say they don't even want to play that game anymore. And again, John's second line, when there's a problem, a fire in the organization, you as a leader are often the first to arrive at the scene. And again, you know, he's talking about the formal leader. But when I read his quote, just like everything I talk about, everybody is a leader. Because leadership is influence. You don't have to be a formal authority leader to dump water on a fire, literally. Say there's a real fire. I don't have to wait for the leader to come dump some water on it. If I got water, I can dump water on it. It's the same way with these problems. I don't have to wait for a leader. If I see a problem, I can solve the problem. See, this is where, again, again it gets tricky. Because I've worked, I've worked in places. I remember when I was on the front line. When I saw a problem, I literally couldn't solve the problem. Not because I couldn't physically, because I couldn't, because there was a manager above me that wouldn't let me do anything unless I had permission. So the way I had to solve the problem was to go waste time finding that leader who was really a manager of people before I could address it. And then I didn't get to address it. He would address it with somebody else. So I had to wait some more. I'll give you a perfect example. I remember this. Plain as day, I probably was, uh, I probably was twenty years old. I was running a big bandsaw, and it was just, it was fairly new, and, and I didn't like a lot of control then, and I don't like it now. But I had, I had that Barney Five type of leader who liked to be in control, liked to be in charge. I couldn't do nothing w without permission, especially relative to to maintenance on the equipment. And I understand that we sh shouldn't do a lot of maintenance on the equipment. But there's also common sense, and that's where high-impact leaders, they release their people to apply common sense when, when, they, when they can do it. So the bandsaw, I was cutting big steel bars, and the chips, when the saw blade would go through the steel bar, you know, it'd peel a little piece of metal off and curl it up into a little coil, and those were the chips that it would uh, basically cast away. So that blade's... That blade's constantly running circular blade is constantly cutting through and constantly throwing chips down into this little trough and the little trough had a wire mesh net over the top and uh it was just it constantly clogging up with these chips the chips were supposed to fall through the net and then into a big metal auger it kind of worked like a screw and would take these things up and out of the machine and dump them into a, a bucket that was nearby and so this piece of metal was, was damaged, but it was also was broken. And it's probably broken because people have been trying to get, had been trying to get out the chips that were, were clogging it up. So when I, when I started working there and I realized, you know, what the real problem was, the, the main problem was when the chips slid down this little chute 
to go through the metal grid, they would pile up because where the metal grid was welded to the chute, they just stop right there and just clog up. And so the, the chute had pieces, holes in it, you know, maybe a quarter inch, half inch in diameter. And, you know, I had to go rake the chips over to the holes and then stir them around and they'd fall through the holes. I'm trying to get details so you can kind of paint a picture. And it was just constantly a waste of time to do that. But it was part of the job when I showed up because that's what you had to do because nobody had solved the problem. So I was looking at it and I figured out that that square plate that was laying there for the chips to fall through, it was basically tack welded all the way around in a in the rectangular shape, square shape of the grid. And so what I figured out was if I would take a little side grind, I had a little uh, die grinder and had a little two inch wheel on it. We had to use that for deburring some parts. And I realized I could take that little grinder and cut the edge off on one end where the chips actually slid down. I could cut a little quarter inch slot in there, basically taking away part of the grid, not doing anything to the machine, and then grind off the, the little tack weld uh, remaining pieces so it would be smooth. And when those chips fell down, especially when they had, they had coolant on them for lubrication, they would just slide right straight into that auger and go straight out the bucket. I would never, ever have to do that again. So that's what I did. The thing was half torn up anyway, so I went in and actually made it better, cut out that little piece, and it worked like a charm. I mean, it was like perfect. Actually, it should have been designed that way from the beginning. So I'm 20 years old. That's what I did. I thought I did a great job. Next time the supervisor, my boss, Mr. Barney Fife, comes walking past, I call him over there and show him what happened. And immediately I started getting chewed out. And all I had did was solve a problem. And what I didn't do right was play the game and build trust with him as a leader and go ask him the question. Odds are, though, because I had asked questions like that before, I would get shot down. It wouldn't get fixed. So I have to deal with that mess. And that's what people do in the real world. People work around these leaders who like to dump fire or dump gas on the fire. And that's what he was doing. That's a little simple situation where he could have come up. He could have told me what I should have done and all that kind of stuff. He didn't have to get angry with me. He didn't have to get on to me. He could have thanked me for doing it, actually increased production. Because now instead of all night, me having to go rake out metal chips, all I had to do was dump the bucket. I had to do that too before, but also I had to rake out these chips throughout the night, all night. Now I didn't have to do that. I could do something else, which I was more than happy to do. And I ran the highest production. But that was the way I operated my machine. I was a frontline, entry-level machine operator. At that time, like I'm saying, 20 years old. But all night long, I looked for fires. That was an example of a fire. It was a problem. I dumped water on it. I fixed it. I addressed it. Then I had a leader override and start dumping gas on the problem he saw, which was me... Uh, going beyond my authority to solve problems. But I did that throughout that entire work sale the whole time I was there. I ran production so much high, much higher than everybody else, it was ridiculous. And then I started doing things that actually would help them to lift their production. We had to drill some big parts. 
and had to drill a deep hole through it. And so when I got trained, they told me, you know, let the drill go down a little bit, hit the button, extract the drill, let it go back down, hit the button. And, you know, just do that a little bit, however much, how many times you need to until it actually breaks through the part. And if you forget, the drill gets bogged down with the chips because it's too deep to get the chips out. And then it locks up and, and you damage the tool and you damage the part and usually have to scrap both. But the machine actually had a depth indicator on it. So all of those parts we ran, how did I pour water on that fire? I got my little notebook out and I'd sit over there. Now that I wasn't doing the chips anymore, I had more time to do this sort of thing. I went over there and I figured out for every single one of those long parts we did, where do we need to extract it? So nobody was having to guess anymore. Maybe the first time it goes down to a depth of two inches and then it goes to three inches and then three and a half, that sort of thing. And I made a chart. Everybody could use it. And I did lots and lots of things like that that allowed us to be highly productive. But that's just one example as an individual of how you can pour water on the fire. Just figure out a way to solve the problem. And even though I didn't like my leader, he was a bad leader. He was a low-impact leader, manager of people. Even though I didn't like him, I didn't, I didn't let that interfere with my ability to do a good job because as I've taught you before, I walked in the door working for me. And when my productivity goes up, my influence goes up and I got promoted and I got promoted and I got promoted and I got promoted. And I got more authority and more authority and more influence and more, but not real, not real authority, not formal authority. I got moral authority based on my character, who I was, the results I was getting. So just remember that. No matter what your position title is, you got two buckets. You can dump water on the fire or you can dump gas on the fire. You get to decide. Another quote from John. John says, real leadership is being the person others will gladly and confidently follow. Real leadership is being the person others would gladly and confidently follow. And see, what happened was the, the people that worked on the other shifts began to see me as the leader. And I was the leader. I didn't understand all the things I'm talking to you about now, but I started leading all three shifts as just a simple operator. I just happened to be the operator who was dumping water on all the fires. And then I was telling, about, telling everybody else what that looked like. And I helped them become more productive. And I helped solve problems for them. They could have been doing it. But they were just playing the game. They were just there to get a check. I was there to get ahead. I was there to make my life better. And what I mean by that is, I want to make my job easier. I always used to tell people when I led process improvement events, find, the, find me the lazy people. Lazy people can improve some processes. And when these lazy people improve the processes... They get more productive. When it's easier to do the work, more work gets done. But see, a low-impact manager calls people lazy. And it's, uh, it's unbelievable to see this, but I've seen it years and years and years. As a consultant, when people want to make improvements, I have to go talk to these Barney Fife leaders out there in the world. And, and, and they just don't want to have to go do any paperwork. Or they don't want to have to go ask someone a question they don't have a good relationship with. They don't want to go ask somebody for some, 
help and support to help the team who's just simply trying to improve a process, which would actually make the leader look better too. But some leaders, they don't want to take responsibility. They want to just get the check. See, this is another thing that I learned as I grew from frontline uh, entry-level factory worker to what I'm doing today, speaking and teaching about leadership all across the country and sometimes internationally is I learned this. You hear people on the front line, sometimes you hear them say, I'm just here to get a check. What I've learned is there's some people at the top. They're just here to get a check. They're just a little bit smarter, though. They don't run around and tell everybody. They don't have to. Their behavior tells everybody. They don't tell everybody with their mouth. They tell everybody with their behavior. So this, I'm just here to get a check mentality, that's pouring gas on the fire. That's what that is. When you hear somebody, they say, I'm just here to get a check. I promise you they're carrying around two buckets of gas. They don't even have a bucket of water. And I'm telling you, these people are at every level. Not always, but I'm telling you, they're at every level. I'm just here to get a check. The ones at the top, they're just there to get a bigger check. That's really the only difference. And you, a lot of people wonder and sometimes ask, how, how can it be that way? How can there be so many ineffective managers throughout an organization, even at the top. How, how can that be, Matt? The reason is there's not enough people willing to step up, lead themselves well, willing to step up, take responsibility for solving problems at work, for developing the character and their competency so they can go fill those roles. Because I'm telling you what, if there was an Andy Griffith to fill every role, there would be no Barneys. Barneys couldn't have a job. Nobody would want to hire them. Nobody want to work with them or for them. Even if they started their own business, if there were Andes in the same business, Barney couldn't get any business. And if I'm throwing you off talking about Andy and Barney, if you haven't seen this show from the, from the back in the old days in the 1900s, the Andy Griffith show is an old black and white uh, show that used to come on regular television back in the old days but it's really like a leadership show. Andy was a leader. He was a sheriff. And, you know, he went around. He didn't even carry a gun. He made everything happen. He he constantly went around. This is a good example, actually. Andy constantly went around dumping water on all the fires. And, and Barney was Andy's deputy. He had a gun and one bullet and a badge, and he was mad all the time, and he was wanting to control everybody. Nobody would follow anything. He was trying to... to, to to lead and he was always frustrated but barney was constantly dumping gas on the fire andy's constantly coming around patting people on the back dumping water on the fire taking care of of all these blazes barney had going so if you haven't seen that show you can google it i'm sure you google andy griffith and and watch a clip of it on youtube or something like that and you'll get a good example of what i'm talking about when i'm talking about andy Indian Barney, especially for, for those of you that are listening internationally. When I'm talking about that, you, you may not have seen it, but you can see it. But I'm sure after a little explanation, you can understand it. So I want to just share with you a couple of things right here about a boss versus a leader. And we're talking about the boss. When I'm talking about this language today relative to John's quote, and in that context, just think of the boss the boss is carrying around the gas, the leader carrying around the water. So a boss drives his workers. 
That's the way the boss sees it, my workers. And he drives them to accomplish the task. That's driving a person is pouring gas on the fire. But a high-impact leader coaches the people. They don't see them as my people. They're not my people. They're people. And a high-impact leader wants to coach those people to accomplish the mission. That's pouring water on the fire, so to speak. So a boss depends upon formal authority. Touched on that a little bit earlier. Formal authority is, is it's about control, power. It comes with my title, my position, my rank, that sort of stuff. If that's what I'm if that's what I'm leading from, if I'm leading from a position of formal authority, I'm carrying around two buckets of gas. But a high impact leader leads with moral authority, which is based on their character, their integrity, relationships with people. Again, that person, both of those people have influence, but it's how are they being while they're influencing other people. Moral authority is far above and beyond formal authority. But a lot of people don't know anything about moral authority. They just lead from a title and a position. And, you know, I travel all over the country, and I've asked, I just asked recently, I was with a group of leaders, I said, how many of you in the room, and I ask it all over the country, I say, how many of you in the room study leadership on a weekly basis, meaning you read a book, read it or read something from a book, watch a video related to leadership or listen to an audio related to leadership. You won't believe this, but most often, if there's a hundred people in the room, there's usually less than five that raise their hands. Quite often there's none that raise their hands. And sometimes I'll ask, you know, I'll say, but don't feel bad. That's kind of normal. I don't know why it's normal, but it's kind of normal that People in leadership positions don't study leadership. But I can tell you why. It's because they don't have to. They can lead with formal authority, with control, power, title, position, that kind of stuff. They don't have to study leadership. But sometimes I'll ask the room after I talk to them about that a minute. I'll say, don't feel bad about it. A lot of people have never even heard of this stuff. And that's what I'm here to do is introduce you to it. And then you can decide if you want to start studying it. But I'll ask them sometimes. I'll say, let's let's take it. Let's take it out of leadership context so you can see how powerful this is. I say, let's assume every one of you is a math teacher. You teach math. And I come in here to help you learn how to teach math better, how to be a better math teacher. And I'm asking you, how many of you have ever studied math on a weekly basis? And nobody raises their hands. I said, what what kind of confidence would you have in this room full of math teachers who've never studied math? And you people start kind of grinning and, and chuckling a little bit. And then I explained to them, it's the same way with leadership. I say a minute ago, I asked you guys who are formal authority leaders, how many of you studied leadership? Nobody raises their hand or three or four people raises their hand. What's that say about your ability to lead? And I tell them, I'm not here because there's something wrong with you. I'm here to help you get better, better at being a leader. And if you haven't raised your hand, you've never studied leadership, you may not even know what I'm talking about. But that's what the session's going to be about today. So I'm in on this quote today from Captain Michael Abershoff. He's got a, one of my favorite books. It's titled, It's Your Ship. 
And this is a quote from him. You can understand a lot about his character. You can tell he's he's a guy who, who carried around two buckets of water to put out the fire. And this is a closing quote from him today. He says, I was, and, and let me tell you this, he turned around, he took the worst missile destroyer in the Navy. I think it was in the late 90s. In his, in his class, it was based on the metrics. It was scored the worst. He took over, and during his two years as captain of that ship, it went from worst to first. Unbelievable. And he didn't do it with formal authority. He did it with moral authority. He did it by dumping water on the fire. But this is a quote from him to end on today. He said, I was not interested in flattery or fluff. Rigidity gets in the way of creativity. Instead of salutes, I wanted results. Pretty powerful. Instead of salutes, I wanted results. If you're a formal authority leader or aspire to be, or you're a parent, you can't demand respect. You have to earn it. And that's what he was saying. Instead of salutes, that's demanding respect. I wanted results. That's earning respect. When your team delivers results, I promise you it's because they respect you. Talk to you next time. Make it happen or someone else will. It might as well be you. Are you serious about taking your career and your life to the next level and beyond? Check out Max Story's Blue Collar Leadership Series books and others now available on audio along with paperback and ebooks at Amazon, iTunes, and Audible. Please visit bluecollarleadership.com to learn about Max books, programs, special offers, certifications, and more. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast.